did a little something on Christmas this morning, not necessarily by design, I believe that's the way the Lord led, but tonight we'll be back on the subject of families from Genesis, Genesis chapter number 2, and verse number 18 is where we'll pick it up here this evening to begin, Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found an help me for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh." They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this evening, help our families. If there is any time that family stresses and issues are accentuated, it is during the holiday season. I pray that you would help us in all the ways that we need, in our marriages, in our homes, with our relationships, with each other, and with you. I, I pray, please, Father, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit power, guide and direct my thoughts and my speech, and help me to say only the things that you would have me to say. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name, and amen. You can be seated. It is true that this time of year, although this is not designed for Christmas-type messages, or... Uh, that theme. It is true that this time of year the stresses in marriage and in family are accentuated and made greater or at least they come more to the surface because of pre-existing issues and if we're going to have a good holiday season, a good Christmas and New Year time, that's what I mean by holiday season. When I say holiday season I don't mean that I'm trying not to say Christmas like the rest of the wicked world is. I'm just referring to Christmas and New Year together. But as we head into these next couple of weeks, it would be really good, I suppose, if some of us would continue to work on our marriage relationships. We started this study a few Sunday nights ago on families from the book of Genesis. We started there in chapter 1. We're working our way through this early relationship that it has introduced to us. For some of you, this will be very repetitive. For others, it'll be, uh, I hope, in some ways uh, new, but... Uh, certainly for all of us, it can be helpful. I want to say that if our homes are going to be strong, the marriage relationship is the root and base of the home. Unfortunately, relationships today are largely rooted in the children. Have you ever been uh, friends with somebody for a long time or seen somebody in church that after 20 years of marriage got a divorce? and wondered, how in the world could you be married for that long and then decide you don't like each other? 
Now, this is not always the case, but often what happens is the marriage relationship started between the husband and the wife, but it eventually became more about the children. And the husband and wife were living in the same home, but they were essentially doing everything for the kids and grew further and further apart while they got involved in all of the kids' school activities and extracurriculars and in all of their sports. And while dad worked and mom worked and everybody was living in the same home, but mom and dad were no longer developing their relationship, uh, some marriages begin to fall apart when the kids leave the home and the husband and wife look at each other and realize they don't know each other anymore. They've spent 20 years together, but they've grown apart. The marriage relationship is the root and base of the home. God didn't create Adam and Eve with kids. He could have done that. He could have created Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and just started the nuclear family all at once, but he didn't do it that way. He started the family by putting Adam and Eve together and then them growing a family together. A healthy marriage begins, or a healthy family begins with the marriage relationship. Both Adam and Eve, we saw, are made or were made in God's image, and we, as God's creation, are made to fellowship with God. I want to say this, and you all know this, and it has been said over and over and over again, but I want to try to drive it home the best I can. A few years ago, my my wife and I were, uh, we, we flew to Florida for the funeral of my grandmother or grandfather. I can't remember when this picture was taken, but my uncle, who's a preacher in Rhode Island, a Baptist preacher in Rhode Island, was uh, was there, and he's a photographer, and and wanted to, um, or thinks he's a photographer, but I think he does pretty good. And he wanted to take pictures with the family, so he had a, a uh, photography drone and had, his, had a, a couple of other pieces of equipment with him, and, and I wanted to take pictures of the family that week, and so it went okay. It was freezing cold out by the water. We were all in our jackets and things, but um, tried to turn what was a mournful event into a time with, with our family together. And so aunts and uncles and and, and all the married kids and so on were together and took some pictures. And he got a picture of my, uh, my wife and I out on a dock. And, and uh, as I was looking through some pictures, I, I got to remembering, or as I was looking through those pictures later on, uh, I got to remembering that our anniversary had actually fallen uh, on that, uh, that trip for that funeral. And my wife and I celebrated our 18th anniversary uh, together uh, during what was kind of a heavier time. And as I got to thinking about the things that I had learned over the years. I wanted to put down a, a, few, a list of a few things that we had learned over the years that had made a difference in our marriage. And the first thing on that list, and I posted all of this on Facebook, and it might actually be the last time I posted something on Facebook, 2020, uh, or 2019, excuse me. Now, when was that? 2020, yeah. And uh, so, anyway, but the first thing that came to mind, and it is still true, is that a healthy marriage begins with each individual having a healthy walk with the Lord. You've heard it over and over again. I could give you the example of the 
triangle of the two of you, you know, being separated at first when you first meet each other and going closer and closer to the Lord. And as you grow closer and closer to the Lord, you get closer and closer to each other. And we've all seen that. And you've had it drawn out on blackboards and you've had pastors demonstrate it and preachers demonstrate it. And the reality of it is that it is absolutely true. But you may feel like, well, we've heard this before and so uh, we've got it down. But I want to ask you this this evening. Maybe you've heard it and maybe you've learned it, but do you understand it? I've said this a few times over the past couple of weeks. Sometimes it's hard to preach the same things over because you want to come to the pulpit with something fresh. But please, couples, listen to me tonight. There is no important message that could be com communicated to our married couples than for you to walk with God. We're both made in God's image. We're both made to fellowship with Him. And as God changes and helps each person in the marriage, the marriage strengthens. Often when we have marriage struggles, what we want to do is we want to try to fix each other. And as much as we'd like to be able to do that, you can't. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible, God never tells ladies to change their husbands or husbands to change their wives? He tells us in all of His marriage instruction, in Old Testament and New, He instructs us to work on ourselves. Would you turn your Bibles, please, to and keep your, your place there in Genesis chapter number 2, but would you turn your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter number 5 and go to passage that we have read over and over again, that you have heard over and over again, but I want you to notice it again here this evening, uh, this evening, Ephesians chapter number 5. And verse number 21, of course we know this, the Bible says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Did you notice that the Bible doesn't say, forcing each other to submit to one another. Well, I'm the husband. You're supposed to submit to me. Don't you know, in chapter number 5 and verse number 22, the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, so you ought to submit for us to have a good marriage. That's not, but that's not what the Bible says to do. What the Bible says to do is for the wives to do the submitting, the husbands to do the loving, and he encourages each party to work on themselves, not work on the other person. We cannot fix each other. We have to fix ourselves. And the only way for us to have a strong marriage is for us to have a walk with God in which God can work on us as individuals. And as you grow as a Christian, you will naturally become a better husband. You will naturally become a better wife. It will happen automatically. And so it's vital for us to be yielded to the Lord and allow Him to work on us as individuals. Walk with God. In 1 Peter chapter number 3, you'll see it again. As God gives instruction to couples, He does not instruct us to work on each other. He instructs us to work on ourselves. Marriage is filled with challenging days. Sometimes we get frustrated with each other. One day, an older husband and wife were uh, having trouble communicating with each other. And... The husband was uh, burdened about his wife's hearing capabilities. So he went to the doctor and said, Doc, I cannot get my wife to show up 
for a doctor's appointment, but her hearing is horrible. What should I do? He said, well, it's really difficult to treat somebody without seeing them. He said, but here's the first thing we need to do. If you're going to try to help your wife with her hearing, you need to understand that there are three zones of hearing, and we need to find out what zone her hearing is in. So he said, when you get home, wait until she's standing at the sink, washing the dishes, stand behind her quietly without her knowing you're there, and just say in a normal tone, honey, I have a question for you. So he goes home and steps back into the farthest zone away, and he says in a regular tone while she's standing at the sink washing some dishes, Honey, I have a question for you. No answer. All right, I'll move forward into zone two. He steps forward into zone two a little closer, and he says, Honey, I have a question for you. Still no answer. He steps as, about as close as he can and says it again, Honey, I have a question for you. She turned around with frustration on her face and said, For the third time I said what? We, we love to think the other person is the problem. But the reality is often it's us. Because we're both, both made in God's image, God made both of us to fellowship with Him, to walk with Him, and to be perfected and helped by Him. I want you to look, if you would please, again at Genesis chapter number 2. And I want us to examine these texts a little further. Look at verse number 24. Now Adam is speaking these words and I find them very interesting. Adam says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. You ever think about that? You understand that Adam and Eve didn't have a father and a mother? So, for Adam to say, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, that was not a statement for him and for his wife to leave their father and mother. It was a statement of help and truth for us in the future. Now, we've all heard the subject of leaving and cleaving preached. But I want to say that first and foremost, before we even get to the subject of leaving and cleaving to one another, that there ought to be a cleaving unto the Lord. I believe it was Barnabas, y'all help me out in the book of Acts, who went to see a group of converts that had come to the Lord. And when he saw the grace that had come unto them, he said, now, that the Lord has saved you, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, now, cleave thine heart unto the Lord. The word cleave, it means almost literally to melt together as if a candle is made when the waxes are melted, different colors that are poured into each other as they begin to mix or make different layers. You could not pull those two layers apart, they have melted together, and it's absolutely vital that every person, before we ever try to cleave to one another, that we start by cleaving our hearts unto the Lord. You will never be healthier in your marriage than when you're walking with God. 
You will never be stronger in your marriage than when you're reading your Bible, fellowshipping with the Lord, getting something from Him, and letting Him work on you. Walk with God. Walk with God. You don't have to read your Bible for two hours a day to be right with God. Read something and get something out of the Word of God. Let Him change you from day to day, from week to week, from moment to moment, from struggle to struggle. Let Him work on you, and as He does so, you will be strengthened as a Christian, and you'll be able to be strengthened in your marriage. The Bible does say, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. That word leave there means to loosen, to forsake, to relinquish, to refuse. Now, <laughs> why would God encourage married couples to leave mom and dad out of our marriage? I heard a story the other day of a, uh, well, I didn't hear a story. I heard it on the radio. Um, I was listening to a financial advisor on the radio while I was driving to and from the other day, and, and um, one young lady came on the, the line. She was in her 20s or so, and she said, Mr. So-and-so, uh, I need some help uh, with our finances. We have tried to start getting a budget together. They had been married for, I think, just a year, both in their early 20s, and they said, obviously, we're trying to start developing things together, and so uh, they were trying to get a financial plan together, and the husband said, you know what I think would be a great idea? My mom is a financial advisor and has a great financial mind. Maybe we should get her involved in the conversation. But what ended up happening was, even though the daughter or the, the, the wife begged him not to do so, and even though they finally came to an agreement that they would try to work on their finances, just the two of them, they got in the middle of that discussion about their finances and started trying to work out a budget and hit a snag. As soon as they hit a snag, the husband called the mother. The mother ended up showing at the house. She took over the financial situation, went through the entire thing with them over the course of a few hours, and she called and said, uh, Mr. So-and-so, what do I do about our finances? And his answer was, you don't have a financial problem, you have a marriage problem. God instructs us to leave mom and dad out of our relationships because, first of all, there will come disagreements and times that will be tough, and the reality is that if both of the members of the marriage are calling mom and dad during our toughest days, here's what normally happens. Mom and dad love their little Johnny or Susie. So most of the time, maybe not all of the time, but most of the time, Mom and dad will listen, and even if they're trying to be level-headed, they still love their little Johnny or Susie, who's 20 or 30 years old, trying to work out their marriage, uh, just like they were still living in their home, and they still see you as their little child. And most of the time, mom and dad will end up siding with their child. And what ends up happening is, little by little, while husband is calling mom and dad, and wife is calling mom and dad, every time you have a disagreement, you're actually pulling further and further apart from each other, and drawing closer and closer to your mother and father, and it drives a wedge between the two of you. It's important for us to leave mom and dad out of our disagreements. And boy, will there ever be disagreements. Boy, that first year or two of marriage, 
you both are different in so many ways. You're a guy, she's a girl, and that is enough. Men and women think so different from each other, it's crazy. That book that was written years ago, I've never read it. I don't know the content of it, but there really couldn't be a better description than to say when it comes to the psychology of humans that men are from one planet and women are from another. We might be in the same solar system, but we sure think different. My wife and I, after almost 20 years of marriage, still don't understand each other. And even though we've grown in our understanding together, I still get confused by the way she thinks. Doesn't make sense to me. And she still gets confused by the way I think. And every so often we'll get into a discussion and we both just stand there in stunned silence at the other, looking at the other one thinking, how can you possibly be thinking that way? <laughs> I don't know what to say next. What do you even mean? There will be disagreements. A few years ago I was taught that principle when we were early, first in the early stages of our marriage. And uh, I was asked to stand in a wedding for a, uh, a, a relative. And as we were all sitting in the room, all the groomsmen sitting in the room before we went out there uh, and, and started the ceremony, somebody said, Josh, you and Nicole seem to have a good marriage. What's your advice? Oh, great. You know, we had been married like 10 years at that point. Go ask somebody who knows. But I said, I'll tell you, some of the best advice I've ever received. Don't expect marriage to be perfect and expect to work through the disagreements. Because unfortunately what we do is we get this idea of marriage in our minds that it's always going to be the way it is when you're dating. And it's going to be perfect and you're never going to have any disagreements and there's never going to be any problems. Well, we might know that there are going to be some issues, but we are going to work it out. And that's the attitude you have to have because the reality is there will always be disagreements. Marriage will never be perfect. There will be mistakes. There will be regrets. There will be arguments. There will be frustrations. And we've got to decide from the very beginning that we are going to leave father and mother out of our home hard times as much as possible. You've got to learn how to work through things together. It's not healthy to spend more time on the phone with mom and dad than it is with each other trying to work things out. We've got to leave mom and dad out of our relationships as much as possible. I'm saying we can't love mom and dad and talk with them every now and then, but it's not healthy uh, if we're always allowing them to come into the bigger parts of our marriage. I also want to say that not only should we be leaving uh, our father and mother, but we should also be leaving all other relationships behind that we developed before we got together. That doesn't mean you can't have friends, but we need to forsake our dependency on our friendships outside of our marriage and learn to develop dependency upon one another. When I got married, I was taught to make sure that my wife became my best friend. And boy, did I have friends back then. I had golfing buddies and buddies that, that were in the ministry that I enjoyed and that we would spend time together at college. And, and boy, when we got married, it was hard for me to leave some of my golfing buddies and some of the guys that I hung out with initially. 
But the reality is that for us to have a healthy marriage, it was absolutely necessary for me to make sure that I spent more time with my wife than I did my buddies and develop that relationship. My wife could not golf. And so I, we tried once to go golfing. It didn't, didn't go very well. But she wanted to involve herself in my hobbies, and we were trying to get to know each other, so we went out and golfed together. And this time I decided to go ahead and take one of my friends and, and his wife, and we would all go together on kind of a double date golf, golf outing. And we were all riding in carts, and, you know, I kind of forgot for a minute that I was married, and I felt like I was still single, you know, and acting like a teenager, and I shouldn't have. And we got on this certain tee box that was I don't know how many feet above, uh, above the, uh, the fairway, but let's say 15, 20 feet. I don't know what it was, but it had a nice slope to it. And I was sitting in that golf cart, and I thought, boy, that looks like fun to, to fly down that hill. And you're not supposed to do that off the tee box, but I don't, don't tell the golf course. It was 20 years ago. There's a statute of limitations, right? So, we got up to the top of that thing, and my wife kept saying over next, next to me there on the, you know, on the passage, don't go down that hill. And my buddy was sitting over there, you know, and he said, dude, do it. <laughs> I went tearing down that hill, and I mean, I was, I was flying, and I was having a blast. Well, we got down to the bottom, and, and, and I thought, this will be cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slam the brakes, and I'm going to whip the cart around and come to a stop sliding sideways. As I slammed on the brakes and smashed the wheel to the side, that cart whipped around and my wife went flying out. True story. She landed on her feet, thankfully, and she never rode in a cart with me ever again. <laughs> Among other things that we won't mention this evening, Let's just say communication on the way home might have been a little rockier than it was on the way there. Can I, can I plead with you, please, be each other's best friends? doesn't mean you can't have friends, but spend time together, get to know each other. The things that you used to do with your buddies, the things that you do, used to do with your girlfriends, Sacrifice that time and give it to each other. Get to know each other. Spend time together. Men are conquerors. We have a tendency to move from one thing to the next. Once a guy masters something, he can have a tendency to lose interest in it. Often a guy will work on a sport. And most sports are nearly, are nearly impossible to become perfect at. And so it constantly drives a man to get better. That's why so many men are addicted to sports. Because men love to be challenged by something. They love to conquer something. And to be hyper-focused on something that requires exertion and the necessity of getting out and being physical. What happens is, unfortunately, often... Because men are conquerors and we can be hyper-focused on one thing at a time, what happens is a guy gets hyper-focused on conquering his girlfriend's heart or his fiancé's heart 
And little by little, as he gets her heart, and then they get to the marriage altar, and he gets a ring on her finger and hears her say, I do, then often the man has a tendency to move on to the next thing in life instead of continuing to conquer his relationship with his wife. Well, I've got her now, whether he says it or not, can often be the spirit of a man. So now I'm going to move on to the next thing. And what often happens is after marriage, guys move on from spending time with their wife and start getting back into their hobbies, uh, spending more time at work, trying to conquer the higher positions and the pay raises and everything else, and lose the relationship with your wife. Men, can I encourage you to do something? You need to make sure that you do everything in your power to cleave unto your wife and make her your life outside of God. It can be hard to loosen to forsake, to relinquish, to refuse relationships with all others, and to cleave unto one another. But it is absolutely necessary. That word cleave means to cling, to adhere, to catch by pursuit. Listen, men, constantly pursue your wife. Do everything in your power to keep her attention. Ladies, constantly pursue your husband. Don't let anything get in the way of you pursuing after him. Can I encourage you to understand something? If your husband works in the workforce and he is out there around other women, you know what often happens? If you stop pursuing one another, he can get out into the workforce and be dealing with the secretary or some of the other ladies at work, whoever it may be, some of the other co-workers, and some lady may take a shine to your husband and begin pursuing after him. And when she shows up to work, because she's going to work, she is usually dolled up or made up, or at least uh, is dressed uh, in a way to be ready for the day. And she gets there and starts giving your husband attention. And if he's not getting that pursuit at home, where you two are cleaving to one another, and you're pursuing a relationship with him, but somebody else is pursuing him, then it can begin to create problems in the marriage. Can I encourage you, please, Ladies, remember, your husband needs to be pursued as much as you want to be pursued. He needs you to show him attention. He needs you to do your makeup for him. Listen, uh, when we were first dating and getting to know each other, uh, what would we do for each other? I mean, when we, when we were dating, what lady would have ever been caught without her makeup or hair done? Oh, you show up to the date all dolled up, the makeup is all on, the hair is all done, and if it's not everything in its perfect place, then she's thinking about it all night long. Life happens. Some days we don't get to those things and don't get them done. But I want to encourage you to do everything in your power to, ladies, um, dress up for him still. Work to pursue him and to keep his heart. Men, keep pursuing your wife. Keep yourself in shape for her, if possible. Compliment her. Take time to date her and continue to know her. Guys, listen. Um, it's important to do your hair for your wife like you used to when you were dating. It's important to keep yourself up a little bit. Guys, 
Take care of yourself. You know, when we come home, if what we do is get out of our work clothes and never take a shower and we've got all the dirt and muck of the day on us and we didn't wash our hands and we sit there with our, or we throw our work shirt off when we get into the room and it's hanging on the edge of the bed and we, we, we uh, uh, don't worry about all the, the, the smudge on our face and we sit down and all we've got is our undershirt on and our jeans that are all dirty from the work day and you got that hole in the shirt in your shirt right about there where your belly button is and you turn the TV on and you sit there and scratch your belly through that hole in your in your shirt you're not helping your marriage any get up and take care of yourself listen I'm serious when you get home look Wash your face, wash your hands, put something on nice for your wife. Don't do it just because you're going out to meet with friends. Do it for each other. You know that shirt in your closet that you only bring out when you go to the doctor? Bring it out for your wife every now and then. Cleave to each other. Keep pursuing her. Can I say this? And I need to be, I need to be done. Oh, my soul, do I need to be done? I don't know that I'm going to be done, but I need to be done. Um, when the Bible says that we're to leave father and mother, that doesn't only mean leaving father and mother, it means leaving all others as well. And when the Bible says to cleave unto, unto each other, it means to cling to, to one another, to adhere, to catch by pursuit, to abide fast by, to follow closely, to be joined together, to keep, to overtake, to pursue hard, to stick to. Are you getting it? The Bible says also that they shall be one flesh. You know what? I need to backtrack here a little bit um, before I get to being one flesh. Take divorce off the table. Take it off the table. I hate it when I hear statements like, well, I tell you what, in our marriage, divorce is the last option. Nope. Divorce is not an option. It's not the last option. It's not an option. If we enter into our marriage and into our struggles and into our trials with the idea that, the, that, that divorce is the last option, then it's still an option. And what often happens is that it weakens our ability to work together to try to get through our troubles. If divorce is off the table, working things out is the only option. If divorce is on the table, working things out is not always what you have to do. We're going to go here. Matthew chapter number 19 in your Bibles, if you would please. I was thinking about skipping it because we all know it, but can we look at it again? Matthew chapter number 19 and verse number 6. Matthew chapter number 19 and verse number 6. Well, look at verse number 5. The Bible says, God said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, 
and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. Now listen. These, these people were told by Jesus Christ himself when they tried to refer back to the idea that Moses gave them permission to divorce, he said, and look at it again, would you please? In verse number 8, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put, your, put, put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so, because the Bible says that God hateth putting away. He doesn't want His people to be divorced. And he says, and I know that there are, this is a polarizing topic among preachers. They take these passages and they look at it all kinds of different ways. In my opinion, I believe it is as clear as the day is long. That when the Bible says that the only way that God ever gave permission for divorce is in the case of fornication, that doesn't mean that you have the permission to divorce and then go marry another woman and hope that eventually she commits fornication so that you're released from marriage. The Bible says that before you ever even consider getting divorced, there has to be fornication in the marriage. And even if that does happen and you decide not to work it out, it's because of the hardness of your heart. Would you like to go to the Old Testament and study it out? And see what God called His chosen people that were espoused to Him in marriage. There were times that He said, you go and play the whore with all of the other gods of this earth. Are you with me? But He pleaded to His bride over and over and over and over and over again to come back to me. Hello? It wasn't the first time that Israel went out and committed spiritual fornication against God that he said, enough is enough. I'm out of here. Generation after generation, time after time after time after time after time. And listen, in the end of times, guess what? They're still going to be restored back to Him. Even though they have wandered away from Him and pleaded for a writing of divorcement that He did not want to give. Are you with me? In other words, divorce is not an option. Take it off the table. Work together. Cleave to one another. Do everything in your power to learn how to live with each other as one flesh. Man, I did not mean to make this, this one text multiple weeks. But I think I'm going to be done.
Christian, man, I wish I could. I wish sometimes as a preacher that I could take something that I know I haven't communicated well enough and take the burden that I have for that truth and imprint it in your minds so that you would have the same burden for it. And that one thing that I want to communicate to you right now, because I know I haven't done it well enough, is to say to walk with God. It will strengthen your marriage. Please walk with God. Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Even if it's just for a moment, are you spending time with God? Walk with God. Listen to me. I don't care how old you are, whether you're married or unmarried. Look at this preacher tonight. Walk with God. God, please I beg you, spend time with the Lord. Learn what it means to let Him melt your heart and take out the hardness and instruct you from day to day. Pick up that Bible. Spend time with God. Walk with Him. Please walk with the Lord. Where is your relationship with the Lord this evening? Some of you say, well, I've been walking with God, preacher. I've got that down. Okay, can I ask you this? Are you growing in your relationship with the Lord? Are you walking with Him more today than you were last year at this time? We're getting ready to come up on the new year. You know what one of the goals of all of us ought to be? To walk with God more in 2023 than we did in 2022. Spend time with God. What was one of the first things that happened when Adam and Eve began to struggle in the Garden of Eden? Genesis chapter 3. They began to hide themselves from the Lord who used to walk with them in the cool of the day. Hello? And the Lord went searching for them and said, Adam, where art thou? God knew where Adam was. <laughs> he was trying to get Adam to acknowledge where he was. Where was he? away from his walk with the Lord. Walk with God. Walk with God. Know Him. Fellowship with Him. Let Him speak to you. Do it more than just Sunday to Sunday and Wednesday to Wednesday. Walk with God on Monday morning and on Tuesday morning. Those who seek Him early shall find Him. Give Him the first part of your day and let Him have the first fruits of your day so that you don't have all the distractions of the day and you can focus on letting God speak to you and walk with Him Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and Thursday. Walk with God. Walk with God. One of the first questions that ought to be asked in every counseling session, are you walking with God? Do you know Him? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would please help us all to work on ourselves as we walk with You. Lord, help us to leave and to cleave. Help us to cleave unto You. Help us to cleave unto one another. Father, I pray that you would take these simple truths and impress them upon our hearts. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around,